Right now, you can get both Sprint's unlimited plan and the all-new Samsung Galaxy S10 included for just $35 per month per line for five lines. All you need is approved credit and an 18-month lease. No trade-in required. Visit a Sprint store, Sprint.com, or call 800-SPRINT-1. Phone $15 a month after $22.50 a month credit. Apply within two bills. If canceled earlier, remain a balance to unlimited basic after $630.20. Pay $32 per month per line for five lines without a pay data deprioritization during congestion. Speed maximums. Use rules and restrictions apply. Welcome to The Masogi Method with work happiness expert Jody B. Miller. Each week, Jody introduces you to amazing people who have broken through huge barriers to achieve meaning, success, and happiness in their lives. For every one of us, the path to lasting joy has always been there, but it may take a Masogi to get you on it. Jody did it, her guest did it, and now you can too. Here's your host, Jody B. Miller. Welcome to the Masogi Method, breaking through barriers to find meaning, success, and happiness that lasts. I'm your host, Jody B. Miller. Our guest today is a fascinating man who offers a fresh perspective on the role of money in our lives. And it's not all about getting more in order to be happy. I'm happy to welcome Seth Streeter, the founder and CEO of Mission Wealth in Santa Barbara, California. Welcome to the show, Seth. Hello, Jody. It's good to hear from you. You know, you have been called a thought leader in conscious financial planning. So, in other words, helping people to reframe their perspective of wealth beyond just the money. How did you come to that whole approach to money? Because when people think of money, they think of just, you know, make me more money and make me feel safe. Well, I've been in the financial services industry for 26 years. And I've spent a lot of time with literally thousands of high net worth individuals. And I've seen patterns, you know, as we do over the years in a a career. And after helping so many different families, uh, you know, achieve financial security and be able to uh, accomplish their goals for maybe buying a home or putting kids in college or funding a retirement, I realized that while people might have accomplished what they wanted to financially, it didn't necessarily always correlate to personal satisfaction or personal uh, sense of self-worth or purpose. And so I said, well, wait, if I'm in this uh, business of transformation, helping people, you know, transform their financial lives, and my company tagline is, your goals are mission, and our company name is Mission Wealth, my mission is really not just financial security, it's really helping people find, you know, a complete sense of abundance in a holistic, uh, you know, standpoint. And that's when I started to realize that, wow, I have, you know, these clients that literally have millions of dollars and some of them really aren't that content. You know, they, they aren't that, um, you know, coming from a place of satisfaction, even though they have the beautiful homes and drive the beautiful cars, they aren't necessarily, uh, you know, coming from a, a place of really feeling whole in their lives. And so I thought, well, what can I do to, uh, you know, help these people find more of that overall sense of well-being. And, you know, after doing a lot of third world travel and, and volunteer, volunteering all over the world, I've also seen people who've had virtually nothing when it comes to financial wealth, and yet they've been some of the happiest people I've met. So there's this interesting kind of balance between people with money aren't necessarily any happier than those people who don't have money. So if I'm in the business of helping people try to, uh, you know, have uh, true abundance in a holistic perspective, let me see what I can do. And that's what really allowed me to dive into these other definitions of wealth. So how do you go about that when someone comes in to see you and they say, okay, I have a couple million dollars and, and I don't really like my job. I just want to retire. Mm-hmm. Right. 
And, you know, in life, I always think you know, there's two things that are pushing and pulling us. One is the decision of what we're leaving and the other decision is what we're going to. And you kind of need to have both of those intact. And, you know, when clients come to us and they say, I'm just done working, I'm exhausted, you know, my, my politics and my company have changed, I want out. Um, they clearly are being pushed you know, by, that, by that push of wanting to get out of doing what they're doing. But a lot of times they don't know where they're going. So what, what I would say we do is we meet clients where they are. And usually people have a pain point and that pain point is where we're able to dive in with our financial planning process to uncover what I call the need beneath the need. So I'm able to identify what is really driving them or what is that void in their life that they would like to be able to lean into more. And then that's where our planning process uh, helps them to kind of evaluate what next steps they can take to um, go further in that particular area. But let's say they're a successful investment banker, for example, or lawyer or doctor, and that's really not what they want to do. And so they want to get out and they maybe mm-hmm. want to be part of a nonprofit or they want to start a, a bakery or something. I mean, that's kind of scary. How do you guide them through that and give them the confidence that they can actually make that change? Right. No, it, it is scary. You know, change is always scary. But that's also where, you know, the the best fruit is out on the limb. And so what we do is we help them understand, first of all, what is the the financial fundamentals in their life? You know, how much assets and liabilities do they have? What is their cash flow situation? How much can they afford to put at risk into this bakery or into this uh, trip around the world or into this nonprofit that they want to start? So there is a financial piece there when we can say, look, maybe you have to simplify your life a little bit. Maybe you have to downsize your home. Maybe you have to, uh, you know, plan on not doing as, as uh, extravagant vacations, but you are going to be fine to maintain this type of lifestyle sustainably, you know, till your age 100. So now that you have that security belt of knowing that your finances at least a baseline level are secured, now let's talk about, you know, if you could really do what you love to do without any limitation for time or money, what would that look like? And then you get them starting to dream of what that, you know, next step might be. And I'll tell you, Jody, a lot of people, uh, you know, have this fantasy when they retire, I'm going to just play golf. I can't wait to play golf, you know, right. as an example, or maybe it's some other activity. And we have an exercise where we will uh, look at seven days a week into four sections each day. And so we'll say, okay, here's 28 blocks of time. You're now retired. Fill in how many of those blocks you really think you'll be golfing. And they say, oh man, I plan on playing Monday, Wednesday, Fridays, and I maybe you know, play on Saturdays. And so they might fill in, you know, six or seven boxes out of 28. And then we say, okay, so for the other 21 boxes, how do you foresee spending this time? And they go, oh, you know, I haven't really yeah. thought that far. Uh, yeah. So helping people to look forward and especially for couples, uh, you know, a lot of times one of the spouses may have worked more than one of the other spouses. And so this time in their life when they're starting to look at this next chapter of retirement uh, can be intimidating for both of them. So helping them come together as a couple and kind of look at their next phase of life from a blank canvas and start to craft what that ideal next phase of life could look like is you know, one of my favorite parts of my job. It's, it's really rewarding when you help people start to dare to dream again. I love that. And what if someone comes to you midlife? Um, they're not really close to retirement, but they, again, want to make a big shift. And again, they're scared. Is it, is it the same sort of process? Well, it's a little bit different uh, because, you know, again, so many people have been programmed to think that success is all about money and how big is my 401k and, you know, have I gotten my home and, you know, have I gotten my kids' college accounts funded? And so people who are more mid-career, 
what we will do is we will help them look at their assets broader than just their 401k and you know what how much equity they have in their home. We'll help them look at their intellectual capital. So you know what are you really good at? What do you know? What have you been trained for? We'll have them look at their goodwill capital. So you know who who are the contacts that you have? These people that really trust you and respect you. Uh, you know I'll have them look at uh, different types of assets that they have, their emotional capital, their ability to make an impact, their social network. And when they start to look at their life in this more multidimensional way, oftentimes they judge themselves less and they start to get excited about, you know what, I am really good at uh, music and uh, volunteering with children. And you know what, I actually have some great contacts in, in schools and in this music industry that I could actually lean into a totally different career, leveraging these relationships and my knowledge that I have. And so it allows them to kind of look at their life uh, from a greater perspective of abundance than just, oh, I only have 150000 in my 401k. I can never retire and I should just keep grinding out this job that I'm not passionate about. It, it helps them look at this, I call it their 2.0 phase of life from a new lens. You know, you almost sound like a psychologist. I mean, when I think about going to a money manager or wealth manager or financial advisor, I think all they do is look at my money and where it's invested and what's my risk profile and when, can, when do I think I'm going to retire and what do I need to live on? That's about it. Yeah. But the way you're approaching it is, is much more behavioral and psychological and full life. It's, I've never actually spoken to someone in your business who looks at wealth in that way. It is, it is a, a growing trend. Uh, you know, I've been in this space uh, for a while, and, you know, I was asked to do a TED Talk in 2016, and that was really a big launching point. I had a number of other uh, firms and, and folks in the financial services industry reach out to me after that, and it's resonating. You know, this life coaching blended with financial guidance is a really growing field, and it's also really a, a timely uh, trend, not only because people really need the work, but because it makes advisors. And, and when I say advisors, this could be an accountant, could be an attorney, could be a banker, could be a wealth manager, could be an insurance professional. All of these industries, I believe, are getting disrupted with technology. Mm-hmm. And so we're going to have AI out there that's going to do a lot of the work that for you know many decades professionals have done. And so if we want to stay cutting edge and able to add you know, value to our clients, it's going to be important that we understand how to be bionic and leverage technology and then add those factors that are uniquely human. And those factors that are uniquely human are more of these behavioral, psychological uh, components that can really have a profound impact in people's lives. I mean, if you think about it, we all want happiness, right? That's what we want in our lives. And so if there's a way you can make your, your money work so you can almost have that, that exhale, that relief, that, oh my gosh, I actually can do what I love, that's got to be a very empowering um, shift. Oh, yeah. And, and also just the, the impact that money has on happiness. People are surprised when they look at research. Uh, there was a study done in... Uh, Princeton University in 2010, where they had over 450,000 people go through this study. And what they tracked is they tracked income levels and happiness over a series of uh, surveys that they gave to these 450,000 people. And the, the trends are pretty conclusive. It was that happiness levels had a strong correlation to income as it rose to $75,000 per year. Mm-hmm. Now, again, that was in 2010. So today in 2018, it would be you know, higher. But still, $75,000 a year, there was a strong correlation. And beyond $75,000 a year, 
there wasn't a strong correlation, meaning once your basic needs had been met, you know, you have a, a roof over your head, you're able to feed yourself, you're able to, you know, drive a car and pay for gas and so forth. Uh, there wasn't a strong correlation above and beyond that. And a lot of people who are caught in that kind of corporate stair climbing are always trying to get to the next rung. You know, I want to get from 75 and I want to make six figures. I want to now make mid six figures. And I got to get that bonus. And if I get that bonus, I can get to the next advancement. But what they don't realize is that all that extra time and stress and perhaps commuting isn't necessarily having a strong correlation to their happiness level. So helping people understand kind of the research out there that, you know, it's not just return on investment, it's return on life. And what steps are you taking to maximize your return on life? And are you being intentional about it? Or are you just caught in this kind of rat race that society has programmed for? So it's not your ROI, it's your ROL. (laughs) I like that. So, um, in your own personal life, and then I want to talk about your TEDx talk because you and I are both in that club. Um, what has this philosophy done in your personal life? How has it changed you in terms of your attitude about money and what you do now for joy? Oh my gosh. It's, you know, we, we teach what we want to learn, right? Of course. So, I, I've always said that uh, phrase I, too. <laughs> yeah, I, I feel so, so uh, grateful to have had this shift because it wasn't always my, my programming. You know, it wasn't my orientation and you watch my TED talk, you'll see the story, but it's it affected my life in that I operate from a place of service now. So rather than before having kind of this energy of achievement, you know, I've, I've run Ironman that I've fight for marathons and I've you know, done a lot of productivity type of accomplishments. And there was an energy behind that, that felt like almost a fear of failing. You know, I just didn't want to fail. And that energy was kind of a lacking energy. And now I operate from a place of just how can I be of service and where can I have the greatest impact and how can I be in the fullest expression of Seth? And what that means is it means I'm much more comfortable with vulnerability. I'm much more comfortable with you know, not having to be all buttoned up and perfect and not having all the answers all the time. And what I found is that it actually has had a surprising effect. I've had more exponential growth in my business. My relationships have deepened, you know, from my kids to my friends to my family. Uh, my health has improved. My general positive, uh, you know, outlook has, you know, amplified. And I'm making a much greater impact in the community with the number of community involvements that I'm uh, you know, leading. So it's been an exponential shift operating from this place of I had to achieve and I had to kind of no pain, no gain. I had to grind out and be tenacious. That was kind of my badge of honor before. Mm-hmm. And now if there's more of a flow and an ease coming from a place of service and just being authentically who I am and not really having to try any more than that. Yeah. And you're basically just giving yourself permission to be the real you instead of what the outside world has probably expected of you. Right. And you know, who is this outside world? You know, and right. as a parent, I think about this all the time. Like my, my kids are feeling pressure prepping for college and they have to do you know certain scores and their SATs and certain grades and, you know, I'm lucky they're doing great in that, but I keep telling him like, this is not your life. Like, this is not who you are. You're not a grade. You're not how many points you scored in the volleyball game or basketball game. Like, you're enough. We're all enough just the way we are. And if we're not living our own authentic life, then we're cheating ourselves and we're cheating everyone around us. So all we have to do is, you're right, give ourselves permission to be authentically us and then identify what those natural gifts are, our natural skills, our passions, and how we can express those into the world for greatest impact. And if we do that, you're going to find that you're going to be very supported. 
It's so interesting you say that. I can think of so many examples, and I'm sure you have many from your clients and your own personal lives. But I was at a dinner party the other night, and I met this son of a friend, and he's just fishing in Alaska for a few months, and then he's sailing around the world. And he says, look, I have enough money to live. I'm Mm -hmm. happy. I have enough. I'm doing what I want. I'm living the life. I have all these wonderful people around me I can stay with when I need to. I, I couldn't be happier. And something about the look on his face, Seth, he just looked relaxed and at peace and in his own power and his own light, so to speak. And mm-hmm. I just really was drawn to him because he just didn't give in to all the expectations that society puts on us that, or we put on ourselves because we think these are things that we're supposed to do. Like you said, you know, the house and the job and climbing the ladder and the marriage and the 2.5 kids. And, and I think it's amazing that you have come to that. Was there a turning point in your personal life where you, where you realized this? Yeah, I think it was a series of, uh, of contributing factors. You know, I did go through a divorce and that was a big, uh, factor because I was kind of always such a planner and I had my whole plan of how my life was going to be. And, um, the divorce was a, you know, a surprise. It wasn't part of my plan. <laughs> right. You're like, Oh no, I'm not in control anymore. <laughs> yeah, I'm not in control. And that was a big wake up call. And that's where I kind of dove more into my own spiritual growth and my own reflection work. And I started to meditate and I started just to get more centered. I started to really tap into who I was and, and what was guiding me. So that was definitely a catalyst. Uh, I also uh, went to a workshop on conscious capitalism uh, with John Mackey, who's the founder of Whole Foods, uh, and his co-author, uh, Raj Sadosia. Mm-hmm. And uh, that was really impactful, too, because that's where I really opened my eyes in the past, or prior to that workshop, I always thought of myself as being you know, very, uh, you know, a strong professional in my career. I'd always had a lot of success in my career, and I'd love to help clients, and I just did a great job there. And then I had my service side, whether it's coaching my kids sports or volunteering with different nonprofits or leading community groups. And what I realized is that at that workshop, my big aha was that I had to blend those two worlds together. I couldn't keep them bifurcated. And it was that kind of aha that I said, wait a minute, like I've always had this kind of spiritual side. I need to blend that with my financial side because my industry needs more consciousness. And that's where I started to talk about, you know, being a spiritual fiduciary or mindful money or conscious wealth. And that's, um, that was the aha for me to, you know, start to lean into, okay, how can I combine these two worlds together? And that's where, uh, you know, our business has really started to evolve and uh, the impact I've been able to have with clients has really evolved. And uh, how how do they, so you sit down with a client and you start to talk about mindful money and spiritual finances. And do they first look at you like you're like this guru? (laughs) No, like who are you? No, well, so first of all, I don't use that language. I would never use that language with them. This was more kind of my own wake up. So, yeah, like I said before, we meet clients where they're at, you know, so. Uh, you know, we had, I had an attorney that I was working with who um, made a significant seven-digit income, and he kept saying, you know, how long till I can be done? Seth, you know, how many years till I can be done? And he had bad uh, back issues, and he was flying all the time, so his back was killing him. And I remember him sitting at his dining room table, like, you know, fidgeting because his back was in pain, and he had all their statements and tax returns on the table, and his wife was sitting there, and he just said, when can I be done? Yeah. And I just stopped, and I just said, Bob, you know, you can be done right now. This being done stuff is not what life is about. And that's where we changed the tune. And we started talking about ways that they could be creative and get rid of the country club that they didn't use 
They could get their kids out of the private school that their kids really weren't getting as much out of it as they had hoped. Um, they could stop doing some, you know, uh, certain types of trips that they really didn't need to do. And as I started working with Bob about his passion, his passion was history. And so I started introducing ways that he could use his passion around history, U.S. history, uh, professionally. And flashing forward to today, he's a high school history teacher. Oh, so I love that. Guy, here was this guy who was a you know, very significant uh, corporate attorney, but he was miserable. And so through a creative financial planning process and kind of some you know, coaching, we were able to help them make a major shift. And yes, he's going to have to work longer, but he loves what he does. So it's not like he's grinding through anymore. He's happy to work you know, 10, 15 years beyond what he would have had to work as a corporate attorney because he loves getting up. He loves working with these high school kids. He loves history. He's, he's lost weight. His back pain has gone away. He and his wife now have summers to do trips because that's what she always wanted to do is do special trips as a family. I mean, so we all can pivot and that's, you know, maybe more of an extreme example, but there's, you know, smaller examples where we all have the ability to pivot and live a life that's more aligned with what we really, you know, are, are called to do. Yeah. And we just have to sometimes get that friendly nudge uh, to move in that direction. Right. And just, you know, trust your instincts too and take that inspired action and not worry about what everyone else thinks. We always worry so much about being liked and being accepted and being on the track that we think we're supposed to be on. I love that you're guiding people in such an, a holistic way because, like I said, what we all want is happiness in life. And if we mm -hmm. end up retiring after a miserable career, we, many of us might just sit around and go, now what? Right. Yeah. And, and, and understanding the energy behind it. I think that's also been uh, an insight that I've gained, which is I call life in these three phases, 1.0, 2.0, 3.0. 1.0 is when we get our sense of identity. You know, who are we? Are we academics? Are we athletes? Are we the funny girl? Are we highly social? Are we introverted? And then 2.0 is when we usually pick our field of study. We start our career. We maybe start a company. We get married. We might have kids. We buy a home. We you know, get a mortgage. That's the phase of responsibility. And then the kids, you know, grow and become independent and maybe you start to achieve financial security and you've accomplished a lot of what you wanted to professionally. And you start to think about phase 3.0, which is your phase of freedom. And in 3.0, you want to think about bucket list items. Like, I've always wanted to travel to Bali or I've always wanted to learn to play guitar. Or maybe you want to focus back on your health or on some friendships that you've neglected during your busy work life or Maybe it's on the impact you can have, you know, the legacy you'll be living and, and the type of impact that you want to leave and, and be part of your legacy. And what, uh, as far as the energies are concerned, is in that 2.0 busy, busy phase with kids and work and, you know, everything happening at once, aging parents, I find that the motivation uh, oftentimes is external. You know, it's mm -hmm. external motivation. I want to get that raise. I want to get that house. I need to pay off this debt. I want to get these kids in college. It's an externally driven awards-based type of energy. And in 3.0, what I've seen is it's more about internal inspiration. So it's where people are being energized by that internal passion area, something that they really love to do or a cause that's near and dear to their heart about making a difference for others. And understanding that difference of energy at a young age is so valuable because you can then apply that kind of internal inspiration energy into a career, and I love uh, this, <laughs> this phrase for it, and have vocational arousal. You oh, can I, that's a good one. You, you can yeah. have vocational arousal at a younger age and uh, 
understanding the energy behind what we do, I think, is really, really key. I love that you say that. And I, I, I did a talk recently in L.A. called um, TGIM. Thank God it's Monday. And it's, <laughs> I compared um, the different generations, did a lot of research, found a lot of statistics and studies about boomers versus Gen Xers versus millennials. And what I found was that the millennials who were scheduled basically since they were born versus the boomers who had a lot of unsupervised uh, free playtime, the millennials are finally saying, I'm not going to take it anymore. I'm going to follow my bliss when it comes to work. I'm going to have this vocational arousal. I'm not going to let everyone else control everything in my life anymore. And so while mm-hmm. millennials get a bad rap for seeming to be like job hoppers, lazy, narcissistic, I believe, and I think research supports it, that they're just saying, no, we are just going to follow what we love. And I think they're laying the groundwork for the future of work and happiness in our society. Absolutely. I know. It's wonderful. I, I think the millennial generation is going to teach all of us older folks, you know, how <laughs> they could have pivoted and live differently. And, and so when it comes to money trends, there's a lot of money trends that support that too. So, you know, it used to be in a career, people would go for the biggest paycheck. Right. And now you're finding that a lot of these millennials and others are willing to work for a company where they make less if they feel aligned with, you know, the, the mission or purpose of the company. Right. And, I, I know, love it. And be, you've already, fi- you've already figured that out and you're teaching people who are about to retire to kind of have much more of a, uh, that holistic mentality. Right. And it, 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 the money trends are really pervasive in other areas. You know, it used to be investments were just about bottom line return. We're going to make the most money. And now there's, you know, trillions of dollars in socially responsible investing where people are more focused on the value alignment and the impact as well as return. And the best part is that in a lot of these cases, these returns have been better. So it's just like a byproduct of good karma is that, you know, these, uh, socially screened investments are outperforming. And when it comes to shopping, you know, people used to always shop simply the lowest cost. And now you're finding that consumers are more aware of how products are sourced. And am I buying organic or non-GMO or farm to table? And, you know, so people are definitely more conscious of how they uh, purchase uh, products or services. Yeah. And then success used to just be about material possessions. Like how big is your house and what kind of car do you drive and what kind of purse do you own? And now success is being redefined by this, you know, more about uh, fulfillment and experience and sense of purpose. So there's a lot of great trends that are happening right now. And I think millennials are really at the forefront of a lot of them. I do too. Um, So when you did your TED Talk real quick, I mean, this is the sort of message that you brought forth. I mean, this is such a new, fresh way of looking at wealth. Mm -hmm. Yes, this is, this is essentially what I talked about. I talked a little bit about my journey getting there. And then I talked about, you know, this opportunity at hand of redefining wealth. It was called uh, The Untethered Life, Redefining Wealth. Okay, so people, can, can, people can go search that and, and, and watch it. Yeah, they can just search Seth Streeter TED Talk and it'll come up. And they can uh, listen to kind of my journey personally and then, you know, how I want to help bring change into the world by helping people improve their relationship with money and not just money, but like their definition of success and money. And what's interesting is when we remove some of the blockages that a lot of us have around money and whether it's control energy or whether it's fear or lack energy of not having enough or not being worthy. When we remove some of those inner narratives that oftentimes are, are, you know, subconscious, we're able to then find that we have whole new levels of opportunity uh, in our careers and, you know, in our lives. So it's, it's like a, might sound a little bit woo-woo to people, but when we 
understand our uh, mindset with money and we're able to shift that mindset, all of a sudden things start to kind of fall in line. And uh, I love helping people wake up to that. I love it. So um, it just one more question in terms of um, how you had to, after you took the workshop, you sort of merged your, your desires and your community involvement and your service with your, with your wealth aspirations and your, and your financial perspective. What sorts of things are you involved with in the community now that are close to your heart? Oh, well, thanks for asking. Well, right now I have a, a big undertaking, which I'm just beaming about, and it's, uh, it's called sustainablefuture.org. And my vision was to, after working with a lot of environmental nonprofits that all do great work, I realized that they were kind of competing with each other for volunteers, for donors, and even for program space. And so I thought if there would be a way I could unify these environmental nonprofits toward one common rally cry, then we could amplify all the great programs and work that they're doing and give them a broader audience. And so that was where I started. And I realized that that rally cry could be around climate change. And so we got together about 100 stakeholders in our community, and we went through and identified six broad areas uh, of environmental concern from food, water, energy, transportation, waste and consumption. And then we identified key performance indicators within each of those six areas to say this is what would move the needle to make uh, Santa Barbara a more sustainable city. Well, as it kept evolving, we realized we needed a technology platform behind it to use game mechanics to gamify positive actions that people can take to just be smarter with uh, our environmental stewardship. So whether that's composting, biking more, not using plastic straws that end up in the ocean or landfill, uh, we started to come up with these simple tasks and we partnered with a strong technology company who now has created kind of like a Facebook for sustainability. And with our recent unfortunate tragedy around the mudslides and the fires that we had, we've now expanded the definition of sustainability to include community resilience. So now we have game mechanics to help people be more prepared and more supportive for uh, these types of uh, challenges that have hit our community. So it's uh, been a real passion project, and now it's um, expanding. It looks like we have the city and the county behind it. And we are, you know, bringing on volunteers and fundraising. And so this has been a, a exciting area because our vision is to prove that we can make tangible improvements in Santa Barbara over the next two years. And then in 2020, it happens to be the 50th anniversary of Earth Day. And Earth Day was founded here in Santa Barbara after oh. the oil spills in 69. So we should be the location for, uh, you know, environmental stewardship. And then we want to be an example that can be spread globally in 2020 around the 50th anniversary of Earth Day. Oh, I love that. That's my vision for sustainable future. And then I also uh, brought something to the community called Fast Pitch, where now I've had 40 environmental, or not environmental, 40 nonprofits of all different types uh, go through a two-month communication coaching, and then they get up on stage in front of about 450 people, and they give a three-minute pitch about their what and why as a nonprofit organization. And then the audience gets to text vote uh, winners to which pitch they feel was most moving to them. And then the winners get cash prizes. And oh my so it's goodness. kind of like Shark Tank meets American Idol for the nonprofit sector. That's so funny because I'm doing a keynote for a Shark Tank type thing at UCSB next week. Um, oh, wow. Of, of UCSB startups and students uh-huh. that have startups are going to be before a panel of venture capitalists and private equity and pitching their ideas. And I'm, I'm going to be doing the, the keynote opening for that. So I love what you're doing. I think that's absolutely awesome. Seth, you are such an inspiration to me. I am, 
I just wanted to thank you so much for sharing your wisdom and helping people that are listening to think a little differently about their money. If someone wants to get in touch with you or your firm, how can they do that? They should just go to missionwealth.com and they can reach out to me. They can learn about our firm. We have a lot of information there. And, um, you know, they can also follow us. We're on all the social media as well. So just go to missionwealth.com and would really appreciate it if they would, you know, watch my TED Talk. And if my story resonates with them, I'm happy to, you know, speak to them personally as well. That's great. Thank you so much, Seth. You totally inspire me. And I, I so appreciate you being on the Masogi Method. I mean, so many things in your life have been a Masogi where you've gone so far outside your comfort zone to create lasting positive change, not just for yourself, but for your family, your friends, your community. And that's all about what a Masogi is. And it seems as though to me, each time you, you achieve one, you're ready to do the next one. And so I am. It's you contagious. just keep on going. <laughs> it's just a great inspiration. So well, thank, thank you, Jody. You're an inspiration to me as well. And I love that you're getting this uh, message out to everyone. So uh, Masogi Radio is going to hopefully reach the masses. And this uh, positive message that can be shared will have a ripple effect in so many people's lives. So thank you for doing what you're doing. Thank you so much. And for all the listeners on the Masogi Method, thank you for being here. And now you have a whole new way to think about your money and freedom to do what you love. And feel free to contact Seth and Mission Wealth if you want to learn more. And thank you so much for being here. And we'll see you next time. And now, an ad from Dad. All right. Save money on car insurance when you bundle home and auto with Progressive. Can I take these off? All right. What is this? This looks good. Wow. That's well made. Where did you get this? I'm talking to you with the hair. Yeah, where did you get this? It's good stuff. That's solid. That's not veneer. That's solid stuff. Progressive can't save you from becoming your parents, but we can save you money when you bundle home and auto. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company affiliates and other insurers. Discounts not available in all states or situations.